0: Welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket podcast with me, Alain Rhys chivers I'm joined in this episode by the two voices of Welsh cricket, BBC Wales commentators Edward Bevan and Nick Webb. We'll be delving into the art of commentary, some of their highlights commentating on Glamorgan over the years, and hearing about the odd mishap along the way. But first, I was keen to find out how they became commentators and who their own favourite commentators are.
1: Well, I was involved in cricket at a very young age when uh, my father was uh, playing. When I was young, and my mother, I'm told, used to push me round the boundary in a pram, but uh, that's a little bit too uh, too early to remember. I Started playing in the in the back garden with my dad at a very young age, and uh, went on from there. Really got involved in uh, cricket at school, and then. Um, Started watching from the age of about uh, eight or nine, I think. The first game I went to, actually, was uh, Glamorgan against the West Indies at St. Helens. Not sure if Edward would have been there, late 60s. And West Indies ran up about 400 for four, and Glamorgan were about 20 for four at the close. But despite that, I, uh, I carried on with the interest.
0: And what about cricket commentaries? Who do you remember listening to as a youngster?
1: Well, I think as a youngster, it was uh, John Arlott was my favourite uh, from the, the Test Match Special team of those days. That very rich Hampshire uh, was uh, beautiful to, to listen to. He was always a great listener of uh, Test Match Special. And then, of course, a uh, little later used to uh, listen to Edward and, and Don Shepard on, uh, on Sunday Spin, where it was a regular date on Sunday afternoons on BBC Radio Wales, when, when we knew when the games were coming along and uh, when they'd be, and that was always a great lesson, obviously. And it was privileged uh, privilege to, to work with both Edward and uh, the late great Don later on.
0: And how did you actually get into commentary yourself then?
1: Yeah, I started um, in broadcasting at universities, at uh, Bath University, and I spent more time on the student radio station there than actually did, doing my course, I think. Um, which was why I ended up with a Desmond a two two but uh, thankfully, I' got a job in radio as a result of my experience there. It wasn't necessarily sports orientated straight away I was uh, used to present music programs as a big fan of the uh, late John Peel with his late night Radio One show as well. so my first radio gigs in fact were were playing records to about an audience of about half a dozen I think on student radio, but uh, that wasn't really what I was was good at, so moved into uh, news areas and was lucky enough to uh, get a job in an independent radio uh, just after leaving college, really, having done a a sort of internship. We didn't call it interns in those days. I was signing on the dole. Um, Wasn't being paid by the radio station, but listening and learning, hopefully, and uh, got some uh, sports experience as well as news experience there a little radio station in Newport, which unfortunately is no longer with us.
0: Yeah, Edward, if I can ask you a similar question then, how did you get into commentary and who were your earliest influences?
2: Getting into commentary, uh, it was very, very strange actually, because back in the 1970s, uh, my cricket club, got in 73 and 75, got into the finals of the Village Championships of Great Britain at Lords. We were fortunate to go there twice, in 73 we lost. And in 75, uh, we won. And I did a lot of interviews, obviously, because this has never happened before. So I from Wales to, to Lords. Uh, a lot of interviews with BBC. Um, Tom Davis, he used to ring me and can you do this? Can I do that? Yes, fine. Anything you want in, in, in both languages. And then after the 75 game, I had a phone call from him asking, would I be interested in doing some, obviously, at that point, uh, it was early September a rugby commentary so I said yes I'd be interested so he said um, I'll send you down a recording machine go and commentate on a, a local game and send it back to me so it was Trubanos against Ponte Dewey, down at the local club and I sat there in the car people must have thought I was crackers or something because I was blabbing away to myself into the machine and I duly sent it away to Tom Davis who was the first uh, producer of radio sport or a director of radio sport and he said "Uh, thanks for the tape i'll I'll be back to you this was early september so september went october went i thought that that's gone down the pan and all of a sudden i had a phone call from tom saying and he was a very sort of an abrupt person very serious oh hello edward yeah tom davis here cardiff bristol next saturday all right so I said, put him in Cardiff, Bristol. Well, I'm you to go and do that commentary, that club match. And I was sort of going, hang on. Um, well, you might like to come up and work what's called a KUBI, which is very much like an ISDN machine. And um, I, I, you know, I think everybody knows what my uh, technological uh, ways of, of using machines are. I was hopeless, still am. Anyway, I went up and he said, this is the machine. This is how you do it. We'll speak to you on Saturday. So I worked and worked on that. Got to the game. I was on my own because I was to do it bilingually. And it was very difficult, I, I can assure you. That's how I got into commentary. And fortunately, I've been there uh, since then, which is nigh on 40 years.
0: Now, what about some of your earliest influences as commentators then, Edward?
2: Oh, I've got to follow Nick here, John Arlett. It was, it was wonderful to listen to, to John. I did meet him once, and I, I can't say that he was off-standish. He was just a serious man, and uh, he, he, he would, I'd just listen and not ask any questions. And it, as Nick said, that Hampshire, uh, it, it will remain with me. But I must mention Alan Williams, uh, BBC Wales. Not only BBC Wales, he could commentate, Alan, on any sport, and did, did the Olympic Games, Glamorgan Cricket, all the internationals. And he was just a wonderful voice and a wonderful commentator. And uh, I don't think that uh, anybody in Wales uh, will follow Alan because he he was superb and uh, he did indeed teach me quite a lot.
0: I wonder what you both think then, in terms of what makes a good commentator. Can I come to you, Nick?
1: Yeah, if I can just add briefly to uh, what Edward said. It was uh, a bit of a coincidence. Uh, my first international rugby commentary on BBC was was shared with Edward. It's a Wales-Italy game in the in the nineties. So I think Arwel Thomas from Tribanos was making his debut in that game. So uh, we've been linked together ever since, I guess. Uh, In terms of uh, good commentary, let's get the basics right. Um, In terms of score, update the score every time a run is scored, or if not, at the end of each over. Then you build with colour on those uh, basics and try and give the spectator um, a mind's eye picture as if uh, he or she... We're at the game and hopefully it's the next best thing because uh, sometimes, of course, people are are watching with uh, video streams as well these days. So you have to try and add to that. But you have to remember the the basic BBC service is an audio service. service, So you have to give that listener as good a picture as possible as if they were at the, the game themselves. And what about you, Edward?
2: Well, I suppose you've got a pretty good voice and you project your voice. Uh, going back to Tom Davis, he always said just think that you're commentating to blind people because uh, don't forget, he says he's no idea what, what ends so-and-so's bowling. And when you kick off in rugby, I'm always sort of say, well, those of you who know the brewery, Field Imageno, those of you who know St Helens, he defending the town end or defending the city end and, and make it as much of a colour picture um, as, you, as you can. And it's totally different, of course. As Nick has had more experience of that, of uh, commentating in, uh, in um, or on television rather, and uh, that is my mild criticism here of when I'm watching uh, a test match. And obviously, you know, I just want to watch, and uh, I don't want uh, people just jabbering all the time. The great uh, parted Richie Beno was was wonderful. He says, if you've got nothing to say, just don't say it. And, you know, he used to say nothing at all, and all of a sudden, a beautiful shot, and it would go for four, and he'd say, I'll remember that for a while. Little things like that, and it is my criticism now of television commentary, and you shouldn't, and I'm sure Nick will back me up here, you shouldn't have to keep on blabbering all the time because sometimes i I just turn it off. But um, I didn't do a huge amount of television commentary and it's just as well because I couldn't really slip into commentary mode because of having done so much radio.
0: Obviously you worked with the late, great Don Shepherd as well, Edward. How important is it to have somebody be able to summarise as well as he could alongside you?
2: Well, he was... Uh, <laughs> It was wonderful. When you think you've got a man who took 2,200 wickets in his career, I think he'd know a little bit about the game. And uh, it was the same with me and uh, Brian Price at Rugby uh, and Don, Steve James, you know. People get used to it. And and I've heard it's so good. And now it's great working uh, with Nick. I take a a back seat and, and direct it there. And all the people I mentioned there, I've only just got to look at Nick or, or Don or Brian, as it was back in the, in the old days. And I'd come in, he'd come in, you know, exactly telepathy between uh, people like that. But going back to Don, uh, he had played, of course, on the field with many of the players uh, who were in their late 30s. And he knew exactly what they were bowling. You know exactly what the batsman was thinking. It, it was great. But um, we are very fortunate, uh, or I've been very fortunate, to work with Steve and Don and, and, and these people because they're as good as any uh, summarisers that I've worked with uh, over the years. If I can come back to
0: a point you made as well, Nick, in terms of online commentary, how has online changed the nature of commentary?
1: Well, it's a huge benefit, isn't it? Because um, previously, cricket commentaries were on the radio some of the time but obviously it tended to be just the the weekend slots for sunday afternoons if you were lucky a a bit on saturday afternoon as well but it's hugely expanded i mean edward did the the first couple of years when uh, we switched to doing ball by ball on all Glamorgan matches. So that's hugely expanded uh, the the availability. Um, before that, people used to follow via CFAX or Teletext or one of those uh, premium phone services, not one of those, that you used to uh, ring up and, and uh, they'd give you the, the latest score and a 30 second summary or or whatever, but no, it's a, it's a tremendous service that uh, the BBC introduced, um, what, I think it was about 2013 maybe, that we did ball by ball on all Glamorgan games, and of course in the last couple of years it's been uh, added to by Glamorgan videoing nearly all their home games as well and uh, sticking our commentary on top of that, which is something that's maybe been forced Uh, initially by the the pandemic but I very much uh, hope it'll continue so that people are able to uh, to benefit from online commentary and of course you know people in work or lack of mobility or whatever not able to attend the ground as much as they'd like Uh, so hopefully we can keep them in touch with with everything um, while they're at home at at work or whatever.
0: What games stand out for you as well
1: Nick? Well, I think you don't have to go back very far to last summer, really, to uh, Glamorgan against Durham up at uh, Trent Bridge. It's the uh, the the first time Glamorgan have won a one day final. I'd been to uh, the other three in '77 and 2000 as a spectator and 2013 against Notts at Lords, working with Edwards. So that obviously was the first time that Glamorgan had won a a final, and also. Um, the, second, the third time they won the, the one-day league at Colwyn Bay against uh, Lancashire, that was a tremendous day for me because I'd missed the first two Glamorgan Sunday League triumphs. Uh, in 93 was uh, my elder daughter, eldest daughter being born, and uh, so therefore I couldn't be on the other side of the country around that time. And then in 2002, it was actually her birthday party on the day of the other Glamorgan-Kent game in in Canterbury. So I missed that one as well. So I was delighted to uh,
2: be part of that one. Uh, Glamorgan won it up in, in Colwyn Bay.
1: And what about yourself,
0: Edward?
2: Well, 93, uh, of course, was a wonderful day at Canterbury. Absolutely packed to capacity. Viv Richards playing his last, uh, his last game for Glamorgan. Glamorgan winning, uh, that was an unforgettable experience. But it, the one that stands out, of course, was 97 down at Taunton when Glamorgan won their second uh, championship. Uh, most of the people, of course, uh, thought rain on the first, a little bit of rain, and very dark on the second day when, when Maynard and Morris put up that magnificent partnership. And then we thought, well, this will go into the fourth day. But uh, such a great all-round performance. Glamorgan, as everybody knows, brought the opposition Somerset out in no time at all and uh, went into the extra half-hour. And I'll never forget, my wife and daughter had packed to come down on the Sunday, packed the picnic, and were coming down first thing. So, uh, in a funny sort of way, it was disappointing for them. But no, that was the first. And all the others, of course, that uh, Nick mentioned. And uh, you'll have to tell, uh, tell Nick and his family to, to get the dates right if we get there again. Uh, as regards the one last season... It, it was a shame, really, that uh, it was downgraded so much. You know, he's always in full house at Lords. Uh, this time it was a Thursday at uh, Trent Bridge. Wonderful day out. But, you know, when Notts came down to play Glamorgan, I think it was 14 men short. And I only wish it had been two sides. Glamorgan played basically the same team every time. Uh, but what was a wonderful performance was in the final, of course, when Durham were just about, I think were, at full strength. So that was a fair in the cup of Glamorgan. And at least it's gone down in history. And uh, they have won the championship, uh, as we all know, three times. Something that Somerset uh, have never done. And, and also, I believe, Gloucestershire.
0: After some serious talk, it was time to find out about those times when things don't quite go to plan. Before I'd finished asking the question, Nick was laughing Knowing all too well what Edward was about to say.
2: You should know that by now. <laughs> talk about this. Half, three times it's happened to me. Uh, the ball coming through the window. I don't know whether I should go on. Everybody's heard about it. But it happened twice at the you old know, little old box we had at Cardiff. And the third time was the Nick was with me. He had to take over commentary pretty quickly. Um, and that was uh, when Peter Trigo hit the ball through the box. And we had shocking little what do we used to call it? Uh, garden shed. You couldn't move unless if you got one person in there, you're doing pretty well, two was hopeless. And Nick was outside, so we had to give him a yell. And, and, up, and up he came because you couldn't turn around and the ball hit me flush on the chest or the arm. And it's it quite nasty. So that's the mishaps, plural, that, uh, that I suffered. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, we
1: can laugh about that one now, thankfully, but uh, I had horrible visions at the time of coming into this uh, commentary box and and seeing Edward and, and Steve like victims from some horror film with a bit of glass sticking out their neck or whatever. So thankfully, uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't quite that bad, but uh, yeah, I still still have nightmares about technical things not working to this day after 30 odd years of broadcasting. I still get nightmares about turning up to the ground and not being able to find the broadcast point or no one being able to hear me when I do. And um, when you turn up to Colwyn Bay, it's a bit unusual. The first time I did a commentary up there on, on my title as lead, and uh, you think, where's the broadcast line? Because it's a club ground normally, and we, we just broadcast from it once a year. And I was searching round and I had to bring up the office and they said, oh, it's in a tree. What? So you look at the nearest uh, tree up behind the tent and 20 yards away, there's uh, a bit of plastic that BT have put on the end of uh, a long wire with the, the broadcast point. And you literally have to unwrap it from a tree. And then uh, the, the electricity is run from one of the... the neighbouring bungalows just next to the ground to to power the whole thing. So, um, yeah, no mishaps with that one, but a bit of a misunderstanding, at least we found it eventually.
0: Obviously, a part of your work as well as Glamorgan commentators is working alongside commentators from other counties. Just wonder who you particularly like working with on the circuit.
1: Oh, it's a bit of an invidious position. I hope not too many of them uh, listen to to this because uh, they'll all be... um, Hacked off that they're not named, but uh, yeah, we we do get on really with the, the vast majority of, uh, of co-commentators. Uh, had um, very few uh, instances where I hadn't enjoyed uh, a day's uh, commentary. I think if you want the sort of uh, bright positivity, then uh, then Mark Church, the, the Surrey commentator, is uh, always a man to uh, to give the soul a lift, and and likewise. Uh, Dave Fletcher up at Derby looks like um a veteran, heavy metal fan, shaved head, big beards, you know, t-shirts. You know, oh god, what's this? He's not it can't be a cricket fan, but lovely man, uh, lovely voice. And when Derbyshire broke a renovate. Two years without a win. Unfortunately, it was in Cardiff in a dreadful pink ball championship game. Then, um, well, it was with Dave and I could hardly begrudge him because he'd suffered enough. But um, really, it's invidious to mention anyone because uh, it's generally a, a pretty good working relationship.
0: Edward, you're in a, a rare, if not unique, position of working in both languages, in both English and Welsh. If you can explain a little bit about what you do with Radio Cymru.
2: Yes. Um, well, it's a case of change. It used to be a case of just change lines. They do that in the studio. I would do a piece, especially on Saturday afternoons, you do a piece in English. And uh, the producer's done, I'm switching over now to uh, the to and then the producer there would, uh, would pick, pick you up. Now, of course, because we're doing continuous um, English commentary, ball by ball. Um, we're lucky in Cardiff especially. We've got a couple of studio, little studios there, and you just nip there, and they've got you selected, hopefully. <laughs> and you do a Welsh piece and go back. And I must tell you about a uh, funny occasion once. Uh, a colleague of mine, I can't name him, uh, he was doing the same sort of thing. And it was quite, I think it was semi-finals or the Swaps Cup as it was then. And they say, right, well, let's go to Neath uh, at the Knoll and uh, join uh, myself. OK, blah, blah, blah. OK, thank you, the usual thing. And then, <laughs> and then we'll go uh, up to Rodney Parade, Newport, now, uh, and there for us uh, is Stone so. <laughs> he didn't realise that he was doing it in English. And he's gone off for half a minute in Welsh on BBC Radio Wales which was, you know, the producer wasn't very happy, but uh, it was very, very funny. But when it's back and forth, you do get a little bit confused. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I've talked, uh, spoken Welsh all my life and conversant with it, so as long as you just remember uh, who you were, what language you're talking in. But when the first time, um, we used to work in the press box on a phone and when you do an update. And, of course, every time you went into Welsh around... They look, what's this fellow on about? And suddenly realise uh, that I was talking Welsh. And when I uh, did the tours abroad with England, the same sort of thing. Everybody would turn around and uh, and just up at you. But no, it, it's great, and I'm so glad that the Welsh uh, community, the Welsh speakers, uh, get this service all the time.
0: And you did have the opportunity last summer to do a little bit of Welsh commentary on
2: Sky Sports. Yeah. Yes. Um, Robert Croft happened to be doing commentary and. Uh, um, they wanted to know, uh, me, or one of the producers came in, would I come and do an over in Welsh uh, and Robert summarising? And that seemed to go down pretty well because we had a few a, a of applause from the, the boys in the studio there, they, they liked it. But what was so encouraging, I had 140 uh, tweets that day uh, from Welsh speakers saying, oh, this is wonderful. Including David who we'd met a number of times because he's a very, very big Glamorgan uh, supporter, and said, "Why can't this happen in test matches?" I said, "Oh no, hang on," and uh, you know I'm so glad that people because they have so many people watching it must have startled a few Englishmen, but uh, that, that seemed to go down very well. And I remember he came back into the studio, and Nick said, "Well, that's it then. Sky now is from now on <laughs> no BBC, but uh, no."
0: It, uh, it is great fun. Diolcham Edward and Nick. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Well, thanks very much indeed for uh, having us on and um,
2: pleasure to catch up. And uh, yeah, look, looking forward, of course, to the start of next season because we're halfway through the winter.
0: <coughs> Dulcet tones there of both Nick Webb and Edward Bevan. Many thanks to both Nick and Edward for joining us and for their entertaining insight into the world of cricket commentary. Join us next time for more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. we will already got a little bit of a little bit of a little E MWC mwcpod1921 at gmail.com. Nee, ewchintidal in Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Nee, ewchintidal in Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email mwcpod1921 at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or
2: our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.